Blog Talk Radio. Today we're going to look at knees and feet, but understanding the lower extremities and why we pay attention to them on every patient is the key. And now, first, where do the nerves that supply the lower extremities, and I'm talking like quadriceps, um, psoas, calf, muscles, feet, where do they originate from? Well, the low back, the lumbar and sacral plexus. So when we look at this, and this is why um, one of the most brilliant doctors, Dr. Jacobson, said to find out what's wrong with the patient, you got to do two things, ask them and listen. And patients literally will say, I've got this pain radiating down here. Okay, hugely important. So lower extremity issues that radiate away from the joint, okay, has to be a nerve impingement. Now, if that nerve is being compromised at the level of the spine, this means that there's been some kind of physical trauma. This is why we take static and stress x-rays to identify if there is a problem. But also, I want you to look at the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. Now, this goes right around the hip. So people with tight belts, this is also one of the problems that can develop because we recommend a trochanter support for people who have unstable pelvises. And that can compress this. And that nerve compression is also called neuralgia parasthetica. So just know that in order to identify any problem, with the legs, you've got to look at the lumbar spine and pelvis. Now, everything is connected. This is why if you're not, if you're going to a chiropractor that's addressing the spine, okay, most important area of the body to check because the nerve, it houses the central nervous system, which controls and coordinates every function of the body. The problem is if you're not paying attention to how you're walking, or the biomechanics of the feet, the knees, the legs, that gait every time you walk could be destabilizing the entire structure. This is why we have every patient take off their shoes so we can check out their feet, but you have to look at the entire structure. Now, I, I was at uh, this orphanage that I'd, I work at in, when I'm in Thailand. I'm only there like a weekend, but there was a medical doctor there, and it was very, very interesting. We had a case of this um, 10-year-old kid. When he was eight, he fractured his leg and it didn't heal correctly because he didn't get the care. I mean, he's in the jungle. Um, then they rebroke the leg, okay? And it didn't heal correctly, so they had to re-break it again. So now I've got this 10-year-old kid laying face down and I'm educating this medical doctor on how to look at the entire structure. And this is hugely important because I said, if he's walking crooked like this for um, a year or two years, is that going to negatively affect the pelvis? And he says, well, yeah, it should. Okay, well, remember the automatic nervous system. Um, because a lot of doctors learn anatomy and physiology in the first year, but then they learn pathology and the drugs and everything else, and they forget the anatomy and physiology. So... I say, remember that automatic nervous system, the rest, digest, and repair? Half of that's housed in the pelvis. So could this negatively affect the pelvis? And could that negatively affect automatic function? And he said, yeah. So I put his hand on, on the kid's up, a pelvic lumbar area and pressed down here, pressed down here. Significant asymmetry, where it should be even because the kid's laying down. 
huge resistance on one side and almost flaccid on the other. And I said, so could this pelvic uh, issue, secondary to the old fractured leg and all the leg trauma the kid's gone through, could this negatively affect his digestion? Absolutely. Could it negatively affect his sleep patterns? Could it negatively affect his emotional health, knowing that if the gastrointestinal tract is negatively affected, you're looking at neurotransmitter production. You're looking at something that's putting this kid in a chronically, physically stressed state, which can lead to emotional stress, which can lead to digestive health, which can screw up sleep patterns. So this is why everything is connected. You got to look at it. And in our segmented uh, medical system, if a person's got a broken leg and went through this, they're referred to the orthopedic guy, okay, or the physical therapist. They're not going to be referred to the gastroenterologist, okay, which, which is definitely going to be a secondary effect of having that chronic stress state. They're not going to be referred to the neurologist to know or the endocrinologist to understand why they're in an adrenal-dominant state where they may have a low-functioning thyroid based on walking around on that lower extremity that has an issue. So you have to look at the entire structure. Now, when you're looking at the glute muscles there, gluteus medius is the main hip stabilizer for the opposite side. So if you have a right leg symptom anywhere, and I mean, I demonstrate by squeezing the ankle of a patient and saying, you know, I don't want to cause a lot of harm, but just to give them a signal. It, as soon as I get that stimulus of discomfort, instantly the gluteus medius on the contralateral opposite side fires off and it's to get the pressure off away. So the entire body shifts to the other side, de-stressing out the hurt or injured or symptomatic limb. So you kind of look at everything. And then the biomechanics, you got to change how you walk because if you're addressing the spine, but you're not addressing the biomechanics. This is why we're looking at just the, the, the legs and the feet. It's hugely important. So when you look at the feet, now I want you to look at the, at the, the illustration on the left. There is no bony deformation when you're looking at, at the bunion formation, okay? Now, if you take, take those bones and change the position of them, you're changing the force loading. So the bone will remodel. It's called Wolf's Law. But the bunion isn't growing. It's the muscles around it are atrophying. The intrinsic muscles are atrophying. So that toe that's supposed to be going straight or bending off to the other side is now starting to flatten out and bend towards. So what does a bunion formation mean? It means that you've got compromised nerve supply to that foot. And beyond that, when you're walking, okay, you're not going to have that cushion because the foot has four arches, okay? So it's designed to have this cushion. On the bottom of the foot is this fascia that's really, really tough. It's very thin, but super strong. But it's only there for a secondary support when you're jumping off a curb or something else because the arches are maintained by the, the intrinsic muscles, the muscles inside the foot that operate the foot. Now, if you compromise those nerve supplies to that foot, it flattens out and you get all these foot distortions. So this is why 100% of the people, um, when I'm doing the initial consultation, I say, take off your shoes. Let's see your status. Okay, and if you see a lateral deviation of the toe or flattening of the feet or bunion formation or something else, think pelvis problem. Okay, and that pelvis means that they are having trouble 
resting, digesting, and repairing. So this is the biggest thing because they'll say, oh, my back doesn't hurt. 90% of the nerves come off the spine. There's no pain fibers. So what are you using pain to guide your care? This is why I don't ask my patients, how are you feeling? Because <laughs> that's erroneous information. Oh, I feel good. I feel bad. I feel good. I must be healthy. No, you've got to get an objective analysis to see how the person's doing. Now, flattening of the feet and bunions. Bunion formation is caused by weak intrinsic muscles, the muscles inside the foot that operate the foot. And the result, these are from compromised nerves in the sacral and lumbar areas. It is vital, vital to maintain the integrity of the feet in order to maintain the integrity of gait, how you walk, and which will maintain the stability of the pelvis. If you're not addressing the feet, you are, you are missing the main cause of why that pelvis is never stabilized. Bunions can be eliminated by restoring the nerve supply to the intrinsic muscles and restoring the normal biomechanics of the feet. This is why I tell my patients, if you got a bunion, man, take a cell phone picture of it because you're going to see that bunion change in a very, very short time. I'm talking a month or less. Now, once the intrinsic muscles of the foot begin to regain their original integrity, you'll see that bunion formation go away. Uh, bunions do not grow on their own. They come from weak intrinsic muscles. It's not hereditary, even if your family has a bunch of them. Okay, um, biomechanics, diet, nutrition, and stress levels are are um, familiar. Okay, the same people in the same family are pretty much suffering from the same force loading diet, nutrition, or physical, chemical, and emotional stress loads. Bunions do not go away on their own. They come from weak intrinsic muscles that cause that lateral deviation. Own this, own this. Bunions are not growing. This is why even if people have had bunion surgery so the foot looks prettier, they still never fix the biomechanics. Okay, so but by restoring the intrinsic muscles, by restoring that nerve supply, this and then you start to restore those intrinsic muscles, the big toe goes to its correct position. Now, to completely correct the flattening of the feet and bunion formation, you've got to restore the nerve supply. This means you must restore the calf function. In that calf muscle, there's three muscles, the lateral gastric medius, or gastric. Um, you also have the soleus, and the soleus pump is hugely important. This Remember, all the joints in your body are hydraulic. If the calf muscle is not functioning correctly, you're looking the knee can desiccate out or dry up. You're looking at, at fluid formation, okay, swelling of the ankles, swelling of the feet. So you've got to restore that calf function in order to have less leg swelling. That's the key. Um, so you've got to restore the tibular fibular joint to make sure the foot has appropriate biomechanics, and you've got to restore the biomechanics of the knee. Because if that calf is dysfunctional, you're looking at the knee as dysfunctional. Always keep in mind that everything is connected. And it's impossible to help your patients if you're focusing on treating one part of the body or area. Hurt here, look there. No. Look at the entire structure has intelligence. Now let's look at restless leg syndrome. I know anytime you hear syndrome, realize that that's going to be a challenge with the diagnostics. Now, there's a neurologic disorder 
characterized by throbbing, pulling, creeping, unpleasant sensations, and an overwhelming urge to move them. Okay, now the symptoms of restless leg syndrome, it's an itch you can't scratch. And this is like tingling, buzzing sensation, a tickle that won't stop, crawling, limbs jerk while you're, um, while you're awake. Restless leg patients have difficulty in falling asleep and staying asleep. As a result, the condition causes exhaustion and daytime fatigue, impaired memory, failure to accomplish daily tasks. Eventually, restless leg can cause depression. You're interrupting sleep. Now, the innervation of the legs, you got to look at the, the base of the thorax. So T12 to S3. Compression or interference of these nerves can disrupt the nerve flow. Now, according to the Journal of Neurology, quote, in conclusion, our report suggests that restless leg syndrome may occur secondary to spinal cord lesions, end of quote. Abso-friggin-lutely. So look at the symptoms has a control, but also look at the brain has intelligent and your body has intelligent. You need constant sensory input from your extremities. You need constant sensory input from your entire body. So your body needs to know whether it should raise or lower the blood pressure. If it's not getting the correct sensory input, okay, then it's going to send a motor impulse down to move that leg to get more sensory input back into the brain. Uh, so this is a response. So when you're looking at... Um, the innervation here, common per peroneal nerve. Now, this is a lot of foot drop people, and this could be a direct problem with the knee, a direct problem with the fibula, direct compression of that, or it could be coming from the lumbar. So if you have restless leg and you're just getting leg massages or physical therapy on the legs, it is not going to work. you got to look at the source of it. So the solution for healthy knees and feet, number one, you got to identify and relieve the nerve compression. Now, even though the nerves come out of T12 to S3 for the legs, you've got to look at possibly thoracic deviations, possibly loss of curve in the neck, um, loss of curve in the lumbar has contributing factors to the altered biomechanics of that spine, and that's going to alter the nerve supply. So you've got to relieve, identify and then relieve the compression. You've got to correct the spinal misalignments. By correcting this and restoring the position, motion, and communication, you're going to restore the, the nutrients to those discs, and this can regenerate intervertebral discs. Discs are alive. Okay, then once you restore the nerve supply to it, then you start walking barefoot 20 minutes a day. Barefoot walking is the best because this restores that biomechanics. But if you've had foot and knee issues, you've got to stabilize the pelvis. So using a trochanter support to stabilize the pelvis while you're doing these exercises, while you're getting the spine and central nervous system corrected are the key. And then regenerative exercises. Walking barefoot to boost your health. Now, walking barefoot is so huge. I mean, this is super, super important. Once you've addressed all the factors, so you got the nerve supply restored, you're correcting the spinal problems, um, and now it's time to rehabilitate by walking barefoot on an uneven surface, preferably grass, dirt, 
hard sand next to the water because the earth actually has an electronegative charge. Um, and the amazing effects that walking barefoot has is the grounding effect. The earth has an electronegative charge. When you walk barefoot, it has an antioxidant effect. So it's like taking omega-3s or vitamin C, which will facilitate the healing process. Another benefit to walking barefoot on natural terrain is the uneven surface will cause that foot to move in a different fashion. I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so the calf stretch, and so again, we're correcting the structural problems, we're stabilizing the pelvis, correcting the lumbar, thoracic, cervical, everything. Now we've got to stretch the calf. That's why we use this block, and it's four by four, um, which is three and a half inches by three and a half inches. You put the ball of your foot up on, and when you stretch, leaving your heel on the ground, your knee should go level with your toe. And you'll see I put a high-heeled shoe has a good shoe. Now, biomechanically, and how this causes you to walk, is you're going to be walking more with your pelvis. But the reason I call it a good shoe is because when you have um, your sweetheart, who's five foot, uh, she likes to wear high heels. She likes to feel pretty. She, high heels were invented by a man, but women like to wear them. So they can wear those high heels, but they've got to pay attention to the biomechanics. So if you're going to be wearing high heels, beautiful, then you have to walk barefoot. You have to do foot exercises. And one of the exercises will say, put a towel on the ground, put your heel on the floor, and with your toes, curl that towel up so you're using your toes to work those intrinsic muscles of the foot. You may even need to get a golf ball to roll around on the bottom of the foot because this will cause cramping and everything else of the foot if you haven't used the biomechanics of the foot. The bad stretch is to stand like this guy is on the stair because that is not stretching the calf, that's strengthening the calf. Now, when we talk about the calf muscle ratio, it should be a 10 to one ratio where the muscles on the back of the calf are 10 times stronger than the muscles on the front. Now, if you're into jumping, running, um, sports like basketball, tennis, and running, anything. You could have a 15 or 20 to 1 ratio of that calf muscle, and that's going to be a muscle imbalance. And that's going to create scar tissue on the anterior or the front part of it. And this is where shin splints come from, from a muscle imbalance. So you've got to stretch that calf. Um, and it's got to be good. Now, um, here's a patient with Parkinson's and leg tremors. Now, this m picture in the middle is him standing up straight. Obviously, it's not. Now, remember, T12 to S2, could this guy have a problem with that? Obviously. And the leg tremors means that there is some kind of nerve compromise to the legs and feet. So we bend him to one side. And when you bend, the body should move the way you would think. If you're bending off to the side, the discs should be narrow in the concave portion, wide at the convex portion. And if you see a disc moving in the opposite direction, we know that that is an impingement or it's an altered biomechanics. And you could call it slip disc, bulging, or herniated. It's just a disc dysfunction. It's the disc that's not functioning correctly. And you can see when this person is bending off on the film on the left-hand side, top two discs aren't functioning correctly. Bending off to the other direction, we're seeing the bottom one and the one at the top aren't functioning correctly. So we know that this disc dysfunction is contributing 
to the lower leg extremity. Now, on Parkinson's, we're going to use the legs to regenerate the brain because symmetrical gait, symmetrical movement, leg swinging for the knees is fantastic. But just know that, that the leg tremors are a clue to a problem, not the problem. So when we look at the five keys to health, nerve supply is number one, particularly when you're talking about feet, calf, leg, knee, hip, pelvis. You've got to understand that the nerves that support those areas, the nervous system controls and coordinates every function of the body. And you've got the automatic nervous system. Sympathetic means fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. We need a balance of that automatic nervous system in order to adapt to our world. Then you need regular exercise. And this is why barefoot walking, and this is why we recommend zero shoes or toe shoes or any kind of shoe that allows full flexibility and, and range of motion of that foot during normal gait. Proper nutrition. This means if your great-great-grandparents recognize the food, it's probably pretty darn good food. Organic, healthy, free of hormones, um, varied, free from preservatives, fermented and juicing based on your stress level and the needs of your body. Sleep is when your body regenerates. Your body literally tears down and builds a billion cells. A good hunk of that building process occurs under sleep. So look at our sleep restriction videos. There's ways to reset your circadian rhythms. And then prayer and meditation, this is daily, daily. Um, I think it was Jim Rohn who said, um, self-motivation is best done like bathing daily. <laughs> You've got, I probably misquoted him, but it was, it's brilliant. But feed your mind with healthy ideas, healthy thoughts, and your body is designed to live here. Your feet are a good design. Work within their design parameters and realize if you have flattening of the feet, bunion formation, a leg pain, anything else, you've got to look at the physical nerve supply, that lumbar, the pelvis, thoracic deviations, everything, and then your body will heal. Stay healthy, my friends. God bless you all.